This is It Just Takes One. One person, one experience, one idea, one moment to change your life. Here's what's coming up on today's show. I think there's a lot of fear around death. I think that there's a lot of fear in what the afterlife is like. You know, we don't want to die. I think that's why we make the Grim Reaper so scary. Like, we don't want to do that. That's, I'm not doing that. Um, or death is scary. It's this big unknown and that always breeds fear. You know, when we have that unknown. And I wanted to take some of that away. I wanted to normalize this idea that our loved ones can still be with us. When my mom passed away in March of 2015, one of the hardest adjustments to that loss was the fact that I could no longer pick up the phone and just talk to her. I missed hearing her voice and being able to call her with any of my problems or things I wanted to talk through. If you have lost someone close to you, you know exactly what I'm talking about. This very big loss, this big gaping hole of this person that used to be here, but no longer is. Well, fortunately, along the way, I have met Michelle Paulson, and Michelle is our guest on the episode today. Michelle is a spiritual medium, and she just recently wrote a best-selling book called Faithful, A Spiritual Medium's Journey Beyond Fear. Michelle has the ability to speak soul. In other words, she can connect with spirits and she can share messages. Now, if you're at all open to that idea, I hope you will tune in because in this episode, we cover a lot of questions and a lot of deep, pretty profound topics. Everything from ghosts and what they are to death and what that is. There's a lot of laughs along the way. As grim as that sounds, it's actually one of the most hopeful conversations I've had. And so I hope you'll sit back and listen in as Michelle Paulson shares her story. Michelle, it is so great to have you. Welcome to It Just Takes One. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Kelly. I'm so excited to be able to do this with you. Thank you. I am as well. Before we even begin, I have to say, I don't even think I've had a chance to say this to you yet. I just showed, I want to show you my, the book cover and all my notes that I have here on it today. (laughs) But I want to tell you that your book cover is one of my very favorite book covers. I just love the image on here. And I'm such a purple fan that every time I look at this book cover, I just, I, it feels so beautiful. And I just smile when I see it. I think you did a fantastic job. Oh, thank you so much. I'm sure we'll get into this a little bit, but definitely it was spirit driven. um, Because as you know, this was not my original cover design. But I'm so glad that you like it. I do get that feedback a lot. I'm glad. And I'm glad because even though we say that books are not judged by their cover, they are. 
they they are they're yeah. a door to whether you want to go further with it right and and so yes. it does help when you're feeling drawn to it and yes we will go into it more although I'll make a little side note I always think it would be interesting to do some kind of a video where we show where people start their book covers and then where they finish because it it often goes in completely different directions than you ever expect it to go so that's very normal Yes, and I I thought that it was too. It just was interesting that this image just kept popping up at me over and over. And I even wanted a different cover. And then I did a little poll and everybody said what you said. Oh my gosh, this is your cover. You have to use this. And I thought, okay, the universe is telling me that is the cover. That, that will be the cover. cover. And, and I can't <laughs> wait to talk about all of that. But before we get too far into the weeds on all of the book cover, I want to start by giving a nice shout out to our dear friend, Sarah Blanchfield. She is the one who connected us. And I just wanted to talk a little bit about Sarah and how she actually was introduced to you and then how you and I got to know each other before we even started this whole book project. Definitely. Sarah is such an extraordinary human, as you know, because you've known her longer than I have. Um, so we were introduced because she, I believe that I have this right, that she knew someone from her church when they were living here in California, who happens to be deeply connected with this book. Um, interestingly enough, mm -hmm. um, my other friend, Katrina, who's absolutely amazing. So Sarah knew Katrina and Katrina shared um, with Sarah, what I did and Sarah reached out to me and became a client. But more than that, her family has just become family to me. I love them all so much. And I think that we've known each other for about five years now. And she's just one of those people I'm sure you know, too. She's so incredibly supportive. And if she's thinking about you, she just sends you a message of positivity and light. And she has done that with me since the beginning. And I just feel blessed to know her and have her be a part of my journey in this life that I get to know her. And she's also, she also shared a story that's in the book, which she was gracious to do. And um, I just feel honored to be able to write it down for her because it's really her. It's really hers. Yeah. yeah, she is. She's extremely intuitive and she isn't shy about reaching out. Like you said, you know, a lot of people might think, oh, I should or, oh, later I'll do that. But she just does it. Um, and stays so connected with people and it's just so heart-centered. So it's no surprise that the two of you clicked and that she connected you with us to do this book uh, because that is just sort of the grace that she has and the, and the gift that she has of connecting and staying really centered in her heart. Yeah, she knew um, pretty early on that I loved to write. And she said, have you ever considered writing a book? 
I said, oh my gosh, I've always wanted to write a book. And she said, I have the perfect person that you need to meet. She says, my friend Kelly, you have to meet her. She has co-founded this publishing company. You need to talk to her. She will walk you through step by step. And I was hesitant. I kept thinking, oh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Because just putting yourself out there, fear, which we'll talk about a little bit, has been a big part of my life. And I was doing that whole game of no one's going to read it if I write it. And thankfully, you reached out to me. And we had a session. And then we just started talking. And you were so helpful. And every question I had, you had an answer. And it just reinforced how smooth this process could be. And it truly was from start to finish. But it even took me, as I'm sure you know, another year after I talked to you before I said, okay, let's do this. (laughs) I'm actually (laughs) so glad you brought that up because that is one of the most common things that we hear. So many people have this dream to write and so many people have a gift to be able to write. And yet we get that fear in our mind, the the self-talk that no one's going to read it. Is what I have to say worthwhile? Is my writing worth, you know, is it any good? Will people even enjoy reading it? There's all those voices in our head that start to tell us we can or we can't. And, and so many people experience that. And, and so the fact that you, well, when we're just talking about it, but that you overcame that fear and you were able to put it in the place where it needed to be, the back seat, I call it, <laughs> put it in the back seat where it's not driving the bus, but it's actually just coming along for the ride um, is something that I think is really important. So any of you listeners out there who are thinking about writing a book and, and can relate to what we're talking about here, I just want to encourage you to know that it's normal. Michelle's going to talk about the whole concept of fear and how you can have faith over fear and what happens with that. Uh, But it is a definitely a a pretty common occurrence. So I'm glad that you overcame it and that we're here and we can actually say, not only have you thought about writing a book, but you actually wrote it. Yeah, Uh, me too. Me too. Excellent. Let's talk a little bit. The, The book is called Faithful. A spiritual medium's journey beyond fear. So that fear factor is certainly a a really big theme in your life and in your book. Um, But I want to talk more about the title first. I love the idea of faithful. And I want, we're going to talk about how faith has played a role in your life in different ways. Let me just read a little excerpt that you wrote in your book about faith and fear, and then I'll have you talk a little bit more about that process. You're talking about the first step in your journey, and you said, the first step in my journey to my best self was adopting the motto, faith over fear. And you go on, I'm going to do some excerpts here. You come to this part where you say, spiritual faith is trust in ourselves, in our own soul, This faith is the deep sense of knowing we get in the pit of our stomach. This knowing rises in us and sends us after what we were made to do. It whispers our heart's desires to our ears. This inner knowing urges us not to abandon ourselves. Faith tells us we are enough as we were made. And it is possible to live as ourselves out loud in the world. Spiritual faith tells us it is okay to take the step past fear. 
Even if we can't see the road continues on, faith tells us it does. That's one of my favorite things out of the whole book. I'm so glad you read, read that out loud. <laughs> um, so beautiful. Tell us a little bit more about spiritual faith and how you have come to this space of knowing what that is and experiencing it. So um, I have been faithful really my whole life, but um, being a spiritual medium, and I didn't even know what that was really when I started to grapple with this idea of faith. But what I knew was the outside world was telling me the things that I, that were true to my story that I was seeing weren't possible. You know, ghosts aren't real. Um, if you hear voices, there's something else going on with you. That's not something you should be listening to. And, and there was even this idea that if you could see spirits and ghosts and things that that wasn't connected to God. And God is connected to everything for me. So one of the reasons I, I came to, because it wasn't, again, originally called faithful, as I think is common with most people, your title changes from time to time. But it was so, um, it was kind of the heartbeat of my story. I feel like the thing that I've grappled with most in terms with fear was telling this truth about myself that I could see and hear things that weren't there and that those things are connected to God for me. So I could be a good Christian because I identify as being Christian. I do have a faith background, even if this isn't, even if what I'm able to do or this part of me is not accepted by Christian faith. And so I started to take a look at, okay, what does faith really mean? Is it religious? And it can be, yes, but it's what we know to be true. It, it is that voice inside ourselves. You can call it intuition or conscience or whatever you might wanna name it, but it is that deep, deep inner knowing and I think that we need to trust that in ourselves. And that really has been my journey to trust that deep inner knowing, knowing that it's there to serve me and um, serve everyone around you because it's gonna help highlight and showcase the best parts of yourself. It's gonna take you to your gifts. And when you share your gifts, that leads to connection and then other people share their gifts. And I think it's just what it's all about. So to me, being faithful is being true to yourself. And, and that's at the heart of, of everything that you want in life. Yeah, yeah. It's so deep. Um, it's such a deep understanding of faith. One of the things I, I love so much of the book, and, and we'll talk about a lot of it, but one of the things I thought you did so beautifully was the connection you're talking about, tying faith, spiritual faith to God. 
to the fact that, you know, it isn't about a religion so much as it's about this, this love and this, this universal God that we all have. Some people identify as Christian as you and I do could be Muslim, could be Jewish, whatever religion you choose, there's something much bigger than that, that your faith is connected to. And I thought you did a beautiful job of, of explaining that and kind of working through it. It's a really complicated, complex, and I think profound idea and, and maybe a controversial idea for some people. Uh, I definitely think for some people, it is a controversial idea. Um, it, and like you said, it's, it's every faith. There's just something that is bigger than us. And I kind of always bring it back to, um, when we say in Christian faith or use the name Emmanuel, it means God is in you, God is with you. And we are, we are all of these pieces of whatever is bigger than us. We ha have a piece of that in us that we carry with us. And to me, that is what that spiritual faith is. It's that light in us that says, I know the answer. I can help you with this. I can get you where you need to go. And it's your biggest cheerleader because that's what that something bigger than us is. It wants ultimately what is best for every everything in the universe and we just all have a little piece of that in us yeah yeah and you you talk about that um and, it, and i think it connects with the work that you do as well because you you make very clear in your story and in your work that that we are really a spiritual essence a spiritual energy having a, a physical experience right a human experience so we actually are a spirit that is residing in this physical space, which means that we, the physical can die, but the spirit never dies. Tell us a little more about that. Absolutely. I think that we are a soul having a human experience. And that is not completely my idea. I know I heard that somewhere before, um, but it just so resonated with my own experience of what I see and witness. Um, I think our society, and I'm talking about Western society, um, has separated us from death a little bit. Most people don't die at home anymore. No one is seeing that. Or it's just not as common to see that piece of things. Um, media makes it scary. And so we, we tend to think that if someone from the other side is showing up or we're seeing a sign, I have so many people reach out to me and say, what's wrong? What's, what's happening? What do I need to know? How do I protect myself? And it's the opposite of that. This is only a piece of our lives, this human experience. It's just a piece. It's important and it does help our soul grow and it helps our soul have fun. There's things here, that physical piece that our soul enjoys, like really good wine or fine cheese or a hug <laughs> that we come, we want to be here for. Um, but our souls go on. And when our 
our, your loved ones or your guides or your guardian angels, whatever words you want to use, when those spirits are coming back to connect with you, their message really is that love doesn't die, that you exist, you're infinite, your soul is infinite. Our body isn't built to last forever. And so it has to shut down. And that's part of the way that earth works, that cyclical recycling nature. Um, But spirit and our souls are much different from that. We are forever, forever and ever and ever and ever. It is such an uplifting message. And it goes to one of my favorite parts of the book <laughs> and many, as I said, but there's one, honestly, this is, this is really true, Michelle. When I finished this book, I felt the most uplifted energy, like just pure peace and joy. When I finished this book, it was such, I think it was just the message was powerful, but the feeling and the energy and the, and the ideas of things that maybe we might be afraid of the the actual story of what it is the way you've experienced it felt so good I finished this book and I kept thinking as soon as it's published I can't wait I'm going to be buying it for so many people because it's so uplifting and this part that I'll read right now is one of the most uplifting parts I'm going to smile even as I read it because it was great it's it's great now as it was then but it's about this concept of death that our body does die, but we live on forever as you're describing. And you write this, death has been with me for as long as I can remember. Death never ever speaks, but I can always see death. She is not dark or hooded or wielding a weapon as she is often pictured. In fact, she resembles Gwyneth Paltrow just a little. She lingers, though, sometimes for years over the soul she is preparing to leave to heaven. She is an angel for those who are traveling to heaven. She is a guide and healer. Death isn't scary or unnerving. Death is calm and peaceful. Death is an angel come to deliver our weary souls home. That was crying. It was so eye-opening to me. I mean, I will never, ever forget the image of death as Gwyneth Paltrow now. Like the minute that you put that association, it changed my entire idea of death being this black hole to death being a, a beautiful angel coming to carry me home. That is so amazing. Tell us more about your experience with death and and help us understand this a little bit better. Well, I love I love that you read that part. And if Gwyneth Paltrow is ever offended that I used her as an example, it was for her beauty. It was for her beauty. I do not associate her with death in any way, um, other than death is gorgeous, and so is Gwyneth Paltrow, um, and radiant, both things. So for me, I think death is. I I even call it my best friend in the book. I mean, death is the one thing that for me has been a constant. And I don't mean in the way that we think about it as this heavy sort of grief that, you know, the living can carry because we've 
lost the loved ones. But I always think of death as the souls that come to visit me. Um, and they're funny and they're happy. Uh, they're full of light and they don't, they don't dwell on how they transitioned. That's not, they don't come to tell me, you know, all the details of that. That's a very human idea that we get attached to that. And the only reason sometimes, sometimes they share that with me is because uh, they need to give me a validating detail so that you can recognize who they are. But that's, that's gone. Death is, they get to be in a place, whether we call it heaven or nirvana or the spiritual realm, they really get to be in this place where everything's okay. They're happy. They know that it works out. Um, it's non-judgmental. There is this, I haven't had one soul come to me uh, that hasn't in some way shown me that they are loved the minute that they transition. There is this infinite, unconditional love that every soul is wrapped in. So for me, that is so tied to death, that feeling of just being so loved and um, welcomed home and known. You know, you, we all want to be seen here. Mm-hmm. And that is one thing immediately that we experience when we are just a soul. We're immediately recognizable. You're, you're seen right away. It's probably, I think, why we crave it so much here. Oh, but yeah, death for me is, is light, is happiness, is peace. Um, hopefully that kind of answers what you were looking I, for. Or I, I think towards. it's such a good, I think if you're listening to this, uh, I, I, I'll be curious and reach out to, to us if you have some thoughts on this. I think it's a really different, it's like a completely, complete 180 spin on what we think of as death. Like you said, the media portrays it or movies portray it a certain way. And we're sort of brought up, even religions in some cases will portray it a certain way. And so we're brought up with this vision of it. And to think there's a possibility of it being completely the opposite of that is just so uplifting. I, I really love that idea. But it also brings me to back to you because you know, you, you describe that death has been with you your whole life, that you have this experience of, of knowing that it is this beautiful moment and, and that there is so much love and peace with it. So let's talk a little bit about how you got to, to be able to experience this. And when you started knowing that this was something that you had an ability to do different than other people. Some of that backstory and, and maybe even the first time you remember, I know you share it in the book, but share a little bit here about when you remember that you knew you had this gift and nobody else did. Yeah. So I, I think that I can see, or I could see spirit from before we remember, you know, a lot of people will ask me to, or do babies, when they're looking up at things, are they looking at something? I absolutely think so. Mm-hmm. Um, and even with kids, they'll ask me, what are imaginary friends? And I'm like, I don't think they're so imaginary <laughs> because I was about two and a half. And this man 
very stoic gentleman, tall, was just kind of hanging out in my room off to the side. And what struck me about him is he didn't talk to me. You know, most of the time I think that they said hi or came and sat by me and he just stood off in the corner. And I remember saying to him, what are you doing here? Why are you here? And he said, I'm here to protect you. And it didn't make me afraid of him. Um, Souls always are transparent, not just in um, maybe what they look like to the naked eye, but their intentions are clear from the beginning. So I wasn't afraid of him, but when he said, I'm here to protect you, I immediately thought something bad was going to happen. So I were, I was like, what's wrong? What's wrong? And he told me I was fine. Um, he kept appearing. And so one night when I woke up and he was in my room, I just decided I'm going to book it. I'm going to make it to my mom and I'm going to get her because something's going to happen. If he's here, something's going to happen. So I woke her up and she remembers the story. She's validated it for me. But, um, I said, mom, there's a man in my room. She came in, she turned on all the lights. She looked in the closet behind the furniture under the bed and Michelle, there's no one here. And I could still see him. And so that's when I knew there's something going on that not everybody can experience. Um, So that was really my first interaction, but it wasn't until I was in my late 20s that I probably accepted it as a, a gift. I was, you know, six months after the man appeared in my room and I told my mom about it, I could sense her fear around the subject. So I, I stopped talking about it. And I've alluded to that before. Everything around me told me this was something that was wrong with me. You know, I, I construed it that way. I didn't have anyone saying, oh, yeah, that happens to me too. Sometimes I see somebody out of the corner of my eye. or um, So I, I just stayed quiet. And it wasn't until I was in my 20s and that friend Katrina that I mentioned connected me with um, a soul that absolutely, completely changed my life. And let's go there. I I knew Matthew (laughs) was going to come into this at some point. So let's talk a little bit about Matthew and that moment that really put you on a completely different trajectory. So Katrina, who I mentioned before, who's connected to Sarah, which connected me to you, uh, she was a second grade teacher. I was a third grade teacher and we met in um, our graduate courses. She had a student at her school who also happened to be connected to her at church. She knew the family really well. He'd been, um, this little boy named Matthew was diagnosed with leukemia. And so she talked about him a lot. And Katrina is just one of those people that you feel like you've known forever. It's easy to talk to her. And something just compelled me to open up to her to talk about some of the things that I'd seen and experienced in hopes that she would see death more like Gwyneth Paltrow. Like it's, there's something good here. I think there's something good. It's not all scary and bad. And maybe possibly there's something after this. 
Well, um, unfortunately, Matthew ended up passing away and I never got to meet him when his soul was in a body. But not long after he passed, I started to see this little boy that was a spirit around my house. He at first ran down the hallway and I thought, who is this? And the first name that popped in my head was Matthew. And I thought, oh, I sure hope not because I didn't know that he had passed at that time. Um, but even after I learned that he passed, he just kept popping up everywhere, front seat of my car, playing with my son. And one of the ways that spirit can communicate is through dreams. They basically, I'll be asleep because my guard is down. That's why they give you the dreams too. You're open and ready to hear and listen. Um, and they'll just tell parts of their story. So he kept giving me this dream every single night. And um, I just thought he was being eight years old and thought it was fun to like wake me up with this dream and wave at me in the middle of the night and say, hi, I'm here. <laughs> well, he did that so many nights in a row and my daughter was teething and my job shifted. So I was tired and stressed. And Matthew had been waking me up in the middle of the night for weeks and hanging out around my house. So finally he wakes me up one night and I said to him, I said, Matthew, you're a great kid and you can come visit anytime you want but could we work out some sort of deal so that I can get some sleep the next couple nights and you don't wake me up? And he said, yeah, I want a deal. And I said, okay, whatever you want. And he said, I need you to talk to my mom. And I knew in that moment that God sent a child because I could not say no to his eight-year-old little face. So I told him I would try. The next day I called Katrina she said, oh, I'll, I'll help connect you. They already want to meet you. I've already talked about you. This is going to be fine. So she calls them. They want to meet with me and I go meet with them. Um, I really thought that that meeting, I was going to find out I needed some sort of therapy or medication or, you know, they were going to figure out what was going, what, what, why I was hearing voices. Um, and we did just not in the way that I expected. Matthew was able to tell them things they understood you know, he would say, I want my sister to have this. And I would describe the object and his mom would run down the hall and come back with it. And I was just like, what? How do wait, wait, wait a second. Um, they asked questions about uh, things that he, you know, only he would know. And just the way that he was, he was, he explained them like a kid would explain them. And they knew exactly what he was talking about. I was still clueless, but they knew what he meant. And um, that really was the beginning of this journey. I still was afraid. And I didn't immediately go tell everybody I could do this. In fact, I asked Matthew's family, please don't use my name when you talk about this. Um, my parents still didn't know this. And... Matthew just kept visiting for years and I kept delivering his messages. I just thought it was the right thing to do. And then one day, 10 years ago, he basically told me, you need to talk to these spirits that are coming to visit you. You need to help them. Um, and I still being human, double checked. I was like, um, really? Are you sure? Like, I'm not going to go to hell. Is there hell? Is God going to be mad? Could you check with him? Um, and he just rolled his eyes at me and said, just do this, just tell people. And so I told 
two people. That was really the start of it. And it has grown since then. It's completely changed my life. I did this nights and weekends. I even shut it down at one point because my kids were like, are you ever going to be home mom? And I'm like, well, something's got to go. So it's going to be this, you know, thing I do on the side. And I did that. And within six months, my other job completely changed. And it was like, you're not supposed to be here anymore. And even my husband who was skeptical to begin with was like, I think you're supposed to be helping people. I think you're supposed to be doing this. And now I am, this is what I do all the time. Yeah. So it's so interesting. I'm, I'm glad you, I was actually thinking this as I was editing and going through your book, I was thinking about your husband and your parents and your kids, because it is something that not everybody understands and not everybody is open to this idea. And, and I wondered what that was like for you to not be sharing it because you were sensitive to your mother's fear from way back when, and, you know, always very hypersensitive and empathic feeling people's resistances. Um, what, what, what is that like on a daily basis with your family and your husband and your parents? Now they know, now they're all in it, but, but how does your life roll? I mean, what, what's, what's a day like with being able to keep what's happening here on earth in your daily life going and, and then also doing this work, which is, you know, takes a lot of energy and a lot of time. And what's it like? Gosh, it's such a hard, a good question, but a hard uh, question to answer because I don't think I entirely know, you know, what it's like to not have, those added voices, I guess, I'll call them added voices right now to have that spiritual element to everything. Um, I, for so long, I call myself a recovering perfectionist. What I did in the beginning of my life is I put everyone else's opinions and needs above my own. And I just, being the oldest child, um, and I had a fantastic uh, childhood, and I have the most amazing parents in the world. They None of this came from them. I just wanted to make sure that here was what was important and pay attention and do what I thought was right. And that meant making everybody else happy um, because this didn't make any sense in this world. And everybody, everything everybody was asking me to do made sense in this world. It made sense. Uh, so I shut it out. Um, that meant not paying attention, discounting it, telling them to go away. Um, so for the very first, you know, I guess at this point, um, we're getting to like the third of my life. I really just tried to be here and be be present. Um, things would still come through like, you know, if I'd get a really strong vibe about somebody that I, I think something's wrong here, or I really like this person, I have to know this person. Uh, and, and of course, it would play out that those things would make sense. Um, but when I decided to embrace this, my 
husband was incredibly skeptical <laughs> to start, even in our house. I would tell him, you know, that, and he just, just he's like, you're crazy. You just think things are there. This isn't really happening. Um, but he would start to see things, you know, see things the kids would do, or I'd say things about him or his family that there was no way I could have known. And slowly, inch by inch, he started to come around to where he's one of my biggest supporters. Um, he does talk about uh, spirits and ghosts and things like that now. So, um, and, and even having intuition and having gut feelings, which he would have never talked about prior. So that's uh, been interesting. He's come full circle, but he was one of the people in my early life who would say, oh, don't take, don't say that to people. No, you can't go tell them that they're, you know, <laughs> their mother's trying to give you a message. Don't do that. Uh, that's weird. People don't do that here. Um, my, my parents are huge, huge, huge supporters now. Um, my mom, both of her parents had passed when I first started doing this and her faith was, um, I'll just say she had a lot of doubts. So this, it was hard for her to come to terms with at first, but I did a group session at my house where all these people came and she decided to come because my, one of my sisters was like, I'm going to this. I'm going to go see what this is about. Um, and we'd had interesting things happen to the two of us growing up. So she was more open. I'll put it that way. And my mom sat through that session. I don't remember the session, so I don't know what was said, but something happened. Something transpired in that messages were delivered to her. Um, she's done it several times. Now she's like, can we do that again? I'm going to come, I'm going to bring my sister. So she's, it's, it's definitely helped heal her. And she talks about it, tells people what I do. Uh, kids. So I have four kids. Um, they all look at it a little bit differently. Um, my oldest has definitely come around. I think at first he didn't want to tell people this is what I, I did, but now, uh, he's a teenager. He's 17. He just turned 17 and girls think it's really cool that, you know, that I do this and they're very interested. So now he's telling everybody, he's like, Hey mom, this girl wants to meet you now. She's, we talked about you at work today. <laughs> so I think he's uh, maybe using it in that way a little bit right now. Um, <laughs> but he's very, he's, he's really open um, and I just encourage my kids to believe whatever they want to believe. So I don't ever put on anybody that they have to accept this is truth. Um, this is my truth, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's the truth. And we just kind of teach that at home. Um, but it has led to really deep relationships. My daughter and then my twin sons, you know, that they really feel like they can come talk to me about anything. Um, they're very open about talking about these things and their gut feelings and their intuition. Um, so I think everybody's come around to where it, they can talk about it. My daughter did go to um, Christian schools 
for a while. So she did have a teacher uh, read the portion of the Bible where you're not supposed to seek out a medium and then had a class discussion about why mediums are bad. And that was really hard for her because we live in a small community and she felt like it was targeted and directed toward her. Um, so we, we had conversations again, just about that. This is my truth. You know, that was your teacher's truth and that's what they believe. And that's okay. That it's not, neither one of us is more right than the other one. And whatever you believe is okay too. And I won't ever feel like if you don't believe what I, I do, um, you know, that there's something wrong with that. You can believe whatever you want. We still love each other. And that's what's important. Um, so I think, you know, it definitely plays a role all the time. I try to switch it off in public situations. I don't think it's fair for me to walk into a situation and, you know, try to read somebody's soul or talk to their ancestors or whatever and try to figure out <laughs> like, should I hang out with this person or are, you know, how is their family life? That's none of my business. So I don't, I don't use any of this um, to that degree, but I do, I think I say this in the book too, unless you're trying to date my sister. Yeah. Then I did probably. <laughs> like, who I know you? more than you think, your you know, <laughs> yeah, what are your intentions there. Um, so yeah, maybe I'll it off. I'm curious about that try because when, it, when you are as in tune and as intuitive as you are, and, and now that you are really practicing for 10 years and thanks to Matthew, you, you have been able to do this on such a much larger scale. So you just hone that skill. How do you, how do you turn it on? How do you turn it off? What's that process for you? Um, so I simply have a notebook. So in every session, and I have done this from um, not day one, because I didn't take a notebook with Matthew, um, but every session since I take a notebook and I buy this exact same kind of notebook. They all look very similar. There might be different colors, but it's the composition notebooks. And I have to have sharp pencils. And that really, when I open that notebook, that is me saying to spirit, okay, I'm here. I'm ready to listen. You have my full attention. When I shut it, it's like, okay, please let me just live my life and be human for a while and let me be. Um, and so that's kind of my signal to them. And, and, and that's, I, I even, I think, use it for myself. I think it's for them and it's for me. Uh, and that's what I've been doing for 10 years. Nice. I think there's even for those of us that are not as in, in tune and intuitive, that's probably a really good technique. <laughs> you, know? I, you have my full attention. I'm here and I'm open, right? Be, be, be present and then shut that and move on to the next. So that's not a bad technique just in general. A little bit though, Michelle, about exactly what it is you're doing. You in the book, you have a beautiful part where you're talking about actually the way that you do the interpretation, and and I want to share that because you kind of compare it to Siri. <laughs> talk a little <laughs> bit about what it's like when you talk to Siri and she talks back to you. Um, but you you were sharing a little bit more about that. So let me share this piece. 
You said spirit speaks soul. And as with any language, translations aren't exact. Soul is going to have shades and variances that English, Spanish, French, Greek, Gaelic, or any other human language might not be able to capture. So of course, spirit isn't going to come forward and say, hi, I'm Mary Lawson. I lived 58 years and died of ovarian cancer. Those are our spoken words. Spirit will have a whole other set of communication tools to describe that experience. In essence, soul has its very own language. And your thought is you're basically translating soul. Yeah, absolutely. I think that humans expect because we speak English, it's what we're familiar with. I'm not saying that as a judgment. I just think it's our expectation because that's what we know that souls are going to come through and just speak like you and I are speaking, but they're not human anymore. So it's not their energy. They're not in a body with vocal cords that they don't even have to think about it and words will come out. Um, they are now light and energy. They are an essence. So the normal way or what's they're accustomed to in terms of speaking is they're able to just deliver information um, so that picking up those nuances, like you say, those shades, they can show pictures, they can give me emotions, I can sense personality traits. Souls, I think, are built to just intrinsically recognize and know one another just by being in proximity. Um, they don't have skin or a body or a barrier to hide that or have different intentions. They show up as they are and this is them and that's it. And it, we just can know that. There's just a knowing. In terms of when I say I hear voices or I see them um, or even have some uh, physical sensations and connection with them communicating, that energy can be used a lot of different ways. So I even say when I hear voices, it's like tuning a radio. I really think they're communicating along some sort of frequency that's allowing for sound. Um, and so I'm picking those things up because they're using their energy to activate something here. It's not necessarily that they still have a voice and they're talking. Um, the physical sensations, they remember what it was like to be in a body. And so there's places in my body that all of a sudden it's like, oh, my, I can feel that because I have a body. So they're using their energy to you know, kind of play with mine or poke mine in certain places so that I'm getting those sensations. Um, that's seeing them. Again, I think we expect that we're going to, I'm going to see them like, I see you, Kelly, just sitting there and I can describe everything about you. Well, again, they're, they're light. They're an essence they're not in a body anymore. So they have to use their energy to try to create a shape and try to fill in the blanks to show me themselves as they want to be seen and recognized. Um, it starts with a shadow out of the corner of my eye. 
it starts with a feeling of, I can sort of sense there's energy in that space in the room. And then I sort of have to let them fill in that, that picture. And then those images are coming to my mind there for them to actually operate and show up. It, that takes a lot of energy on their part to do that. So this is, it's a little, it's a little bit different. Hopefully that kind of explains some of the things, but I think they're using modalities that I have as a human in a body to relay that information. And the soul that you're talking about is the stuff that just sort of comes to me this knowing because that's how they communicate. They don't need words. They just can say here. And then I know exactly what they want me to tell you. Yeah. I love that. You know, right before we started the interview, you and I were talking about my mom's voice. And so you had been listening to a former podcast where I had interviewed my parents before my mom passed away. And I said to you that the very first thing that she says in that interview, and any of you listening can go back and listen to it. It's episode one of the podcast. Um, the very first thing she says is, hi, Kelly, it's so good to hear your voice. And I, every time I hear it, I just told you this, think to myself, no, mom, it's so good to hear your voice because I don't hear her voice now, but I do feel her now. And I do look and, and look for those opportunities where she's nearby. I know it. And I've been fortunate enough to be sitting with you and having a reading where you actually brought her to me um, in a beautiful way, which was an just extraordinary experience. Thank you. But since then, I've been really working hard to just pay attention and to be open to that and to just notice when I can sense that she's nearby or feel her. Is, is there a way that those of us who don't have the gift the way that you have the gift, is there a way that we can continue to hone our skills to get better at connecting with those that we've lost? I absolutely think so. And that's really one of my main goals with the book is, uh, and normalizing what I do is your loved ones are around you all the time. They're communicating all the time. They'll use all kinds of things, whether it's a hummingbird or a dragonfly or um, dimes. I've seen all kinds of crazy signs, colors. Um, they'll tell me all kinds of things. But if you're open and paying attention, you'll see those things. Trust yourself. It's usually the first person that you think about that's sending them to you. They absolutely love recognition because like we need food here as fuel. They need energy to interact with us here because they're using their energy to connect. So when you say thank you, even in your head, they can hear you. So you say, thank you, mom. I saw that. I know you're here. They get this boost and then they save it and they're going to do something again later. There's this idea of um, synchronicity or abundance. The more that you're open, the more that you recognize, the more these things are going to start to happen in all kinds of different ways because spirit wants more than anything. That's why they use people like me. They want more than anything for you to know that their love didn't die. They are with you. They're not lost. They're not gone. They exist and that they're still connected to you. 
you are a part of their heaven. I always tell people because they think heaven's this like far off distant place. No, we are a part of their heaven. I can't imagine if I had to pass right now and I'm on my way into heaven and they're like, oh, sorry, you're never going to see your husband and your kids again. I'd be like, um, sorry, that's not heaven. Uh, no, that can't be right. And it's not. They're, they get to come back. They get to be, we are somehow connected with that plane. And so they're constantly um, doing things. So I say, pay attention to everything and anything. You know, some people say, well, isn't it just a dragonfly? Isn't it just a rainbow? Well, sure it is. But what does it hurt if something in you said, oh my gosh, it feels like my mom is here? Because she probably is. So say thank you to your mom. So pay attention, trust your intuit, trust that gut feeling of who it is, give gratitude because that will create the abundance and have it show up more often. And then really ask, you know, sometimes uh, we're afraid to say, give me a sign or, and be specific. Because sometimes they'll give you a sign and you weren't looking for that sign. You were looking for something different. Um, so they have to hit me over the head with things too. You know, I'll be like, give me a sign. And then I look up and the truck in front of me has like an archangel on it. And I'm like, oh yeah, got it. Thanks. I was not looking for that, but. <laughs> um, so just be specific. You know, sometimes I'll ask. If you ask for a specific thing, even I ask for a specific thing, and all of a sudden, there it is. It shows up, and I think, okay, thank you. Um, you can ask, and that's okay, too. Uh, I think, so one of the other things I'll mention, because a lot of people ask me about classes and different things, mm -hmm. Go where you're led. If something is telling you that this class can develop your intuition or this book is going to help you open up your mind, I think that's another way that our souls are communicating with us because things are going to hit you in a different way because of your own human experience or how your soul vibrates and processes energy. Um so go to those things and where you're led and that helps you connect because then your either your belief system solidifies or it gives you more information to process and then you can change the way that you're looking at things and take those in and um, make meaning out of them, find purpose. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure as listeners are, are processing all of this, all those questions are going through their mind, like, how do I learn more? Where do I go? So I love that you added that little piece, like trust your intuition, wherever your curiosity is pulling you go there, just be open to what the experience could be. Um, and hopefully, as you're listening, this book that we're talking about right here, Faithful, is one of those, because although we've just barely scratch the surface of all the pieces that are in here and some of the stories. There are many, many more and many more ideas in here for you to consider uh, as you pursue this and, and, and work on this understanding on this level. Although we could talk 
on and on about all of this, Michelle, I really want to just bring it back to you one more time and say, you know, you wrote this book now. You, you didn't write it five years ago. You haven't didn't write it five years away from now. You wrote it now. Is there a reason that you decided to write it now? And what is your intention? What do you hope that people will get from this book? Um, I think... It was another step in that journey of battling with my fear. So I talk about this more in the book, but one of the other reasons I really came out and started to talk about being a spiritual medium had to do with this journey of being authentic and kind of breaking that. I talked about being a recovering perfectionist. Mm-hmm. just breaking that in me. Life is messy. I'm not perfect. This is what I look like. It doesn't matter that I don't look like anybody else, that sort of thing. And writing, I have wanted to be a writer since I was nine years old. It just, it comes natural to me, that idea, the notebook and the pencil in my hand. It's because I, I love that. I love it. And writing is me. So with being a spiritual medium, I can say there's still a barrier. I can say, oh, spirit asked me to do this. This is what God wants me. It has nothing to do with me. I'm just delivering a message. Writing is me. It was that last piece of, I have to tell the truth. I have to tell my truth. And I tried so hard not to write a book about me. I, I don't like talking about me. I'm long-winded, but I don't like to talk about me. Um, <laughs> uh, so I think it had to happen. And it, I just kept being guided in that direction uh, with the, the book was really mostly written. And then um, the pandemic happened. And I started to take some of that time to kind of focus on my business. And in the back of my head, it kept saying, finish that book finish that book. It's time to do the book. It's time to do the book. Um, and that there was, there was nothing to distract me from it anymore. I couldn't keep putting it on the back burner. So I, I, I did it. Um, if I could, I don't know if there was anything in me intrinsically that said it has to be this time besides it. It was the time. Um, what do I want them to take away Fear, this is one of the things you helped me with, Kelly, when we first talked, you talk about fear. Um, That's something that was also really inherent to what you do and things that you talk about. And that idea of fear being a stop sign kind of stuck in my head. (laughs) Um, and, And that fear is a good thing. You know, I was kind of battling fear like it was this bad thing in my life. And it's not. There's some really wonderfully um, intrinsic things about fear. So I think I wanted to touch on, um, you know, what fear was and how it can stop you. And if it's stopping you, it's not serving you. And when it comes to... Um, what I do, I think there's a lot of fear around death. I think that there's a lot of 
fear in what the afterlife is like. You know, we don't want to die. I think that's why we make the Grim Reaper so scary. We don't want to do that. That's I'm not doing that. Um, or death is scary. It's this big unknown, and that always breeds fear. You know, when we have that unknown. And I wanted to take some of that away. I wanted to normalize this idea that our loved ones can still be with us. Um, I I wanted to take away that image of ghosts being scary. I almost didn't use ghosts in the book at all. And then I thought, I'm doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. And so a ghost is a spirit. Ghosts are not scary. They're, they love you. They're your loved ones. It's, it's the same, same word, same thing. Um, so I think that's really my hope is that um, people will read this and just be maybe a little more open-minded about death and what's possible. I'm not hoping it completely changes their mind or proves anything to them. Um, it's just one take in a sea of, of many different opinions, but my hope is that it makes them a little less afraid and a little more open to embracing that possibility that they can connect with their loved ones. I love that. I love that. Faith, love, and hope. <laughs> Excellent. So Michelle, if somebody is interested in buying the book, where can they get it? So they can get it on Amazon. Um, they can find it there, which is super easy. And um, I hope to record an audio copy. So I'm working on that right now. So there'll be an audio book, but they can get a paperback or Kindle version. And then they can also visit um, my website and it has links to direct them in the right direction. Excellent. What's your website? So it's uh, my name, michellemernancolson.com. Excellent. I'll make sure all of that gets in the show notes as well. Thank you so much for writing this book. Thank you for taking the time to share your truth and your story and giving us a chance to learn a little bit more and to think about fear a little bit differently, faith, love, hope, all of those things. Uh, If you're listening, I'm going to tell you, please go out and get this book. It is, you will, you will read this book and feel this lightning in your life this just I I would I would guess joy and hope that's what you're left with at the end of this book so before we finish up Michelle I I, as you know I like to ask everybody what the phrase it just takes one means to them it's always an interesting answer and always a different answer which I find kind of amazing actually Uh, but I'm very curious from you what does the phrase it just takes one mean to you I, I really think, um, cause I've thought about this one for a long time. I knew you were going to ask it. Um, I think it just takes one, one person. Um, my life has been so enhanced, um, changed, enriched by the people that are in it, whether they're here or they're on the other side. Um, 
And I think we think it has to be these big moments, you know, that we have to do something grand. I call them like Oprah moments. You have to do something Oprah worthy to um, make a difference. But it really, I mean, I met my best friend because I complimented her hair. I said, oh my gosh, you have the best hair. And she teases me about it to this day. But, um, you know, what I'm, she's one of my best friends that led me to my husband. I think it's the, it's the little thing, smiling at somebody. Um, or they, they took that extra moment to make sure that you were okay. It just takes that one person in that one moment to make that one choice toward connection and positivity. And it makes all the difference. It, it's life-changing. Beautiful. Beautiful. I love that. Well, you are one person who is making a difference. You're making a difference with your work. You're making a difference with this book, with your messages. So continue doing what you're doing. Continue to share the gift that you have. It's it's really extraordinary. And thank you. Thank you for being on today. And thanks for everything. Well, thank you so much, Kelly. I, I can't say enough about you. I can't say enough about scripture. You are all amazing. If anybody wants to write a book, anybody, anybody, scripture is just the most wonderful, welcoming, step-by-step, easy, uh, loving community to do it in. They, whatever question I had, it was it was answered immediately. Um, whatever we ran into, you guys had encountered it before. It was like, oh no, you're fine. We can do this. Don't worry about it. Um, it's it's just such. It's been such a blessing because I didn't think this was possible, and scripture made it possible so I can't thank you all enough and I'm just so honored to have this have this connection with scripture that this is the way the book came to life I it's such a blessing and to get to talk to you is always just a complete joy I love it so much (laughs) so thank you same here Michelle thank you so much I appreciate that it's been a pleasure working with you really truly and uh and I know we'll be in touch again soon Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. These are really interesting topics. And if you're open to these ideas and you still have questions, then I encourage you to go out and buy the book. In the book, Michelle dives more deeply into these topics and she shares a lot of personal stories, stories where she's been able to connect with spirit and share their messages with their loved ones here. In the end, what I hope is that you are left with a sense of hope, with a sense of optimism that the world is unfolding exactly as it needs to. And that we can overcome our fear if we just have a little more faith. It's a great message to take away today. And if you're interested in learning more about Michelle, please check her out at her website. I'll leave the information in the show notes below or follow her on social media so you can see what she's up to. That's it for today. Thank you for joining us on It Just Takes One and stay tuned for another episode with a new author coming soon.